0: Hello, friends, and welcome once again to our Bible study on Facebook Live. This is Bill Allen from West Irwin Church of Christ in very warm, aka hot, Tyler, Texas. I'm glad to be with you again today. We're going to be uh, looking at uh, the book of Acts. We're uh, just beginning a a Facebook Live study of the book of Acts, and uh, we've introduced that, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapters 1 and 2 today. And so hopefully there will be a few that will join us. I see some folks popping in and that's a great thing. Uh, We'll be doing this on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. except except for this coming Thursday and next Tuesday because I will be out of town and so we won't be able to have our study on Thursday and next Tuesday. But we will start right back up a week from this Thursday. But we are going to uh, be able to cover some uh, uh, ground today in Acts chapters 3 and 4, possibly a little bit of 5. But this whole section in the book of Acts is really about the same kind of stories and the same kind of of uh, subject, and that is persecution. Uh, the church, as we have seen over the last, uh, our study so far, the, last, the first two lessons, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus uh, is uh, about to ascend to heaven he has been crucified he has been raised from the dead as we saw in the gospel of matthew after his uh, life and ministry and teaching here and then he uh, met with his disciples luke introduces us at the beginning of acts chapter 1 and jesus is still here but won't be for long and he tells the uh, disciples to wait in the city of jerusalem the same city where he was crucified and where his resurrection uh, occurred and uh he tells them to wait right there until they receive power from on high which is the um uh the wonderful uh time when uh that holy spirit was given and before that happens in acts chapter 2 he reminds them of their mission reminds us of our mission in acts chapter 1 verse 8 luke gives us a very succinct uh statement in telling us his what he's going to do in his book of uh acts and also Uh, what uh, is the role of the Christian, even still 2,000 years later today. And that is to be witnesses in our hometown uh, which is, uh, for them, it was in Jerusalem, wherever you are presently, and then to the surrounding regions. For them uh, that meant the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria and Galilee and then uh, to the very end of the world, of the earth. And so that's what our call is as well. In Acts chapter 2 that we find as the rest of Acts chapter 1 completes, uh, they are meeting together, they are praying together, there's about 120 of them or so. We note that the uh, 11 remaining alive apostles after Judas Iscariot committed suicide, the others are meeting with that group. We notice also that Jesus' mother and his siblings are there with them as well, his mother and brothers, and uh, we spoke about that some before. And, uh, and we also notice that they, um, they replace Judas. They find a man who had been with them from the beginning, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. They find someone who had uh, been uh, a witness of the resurrection, because that would be very important. And, uh, and so Matthias is chosen by the Holy Spirit, and the rest of uh, the time they are spending in prayer, waiting, just as Jesus said. And then in Acts chapter 2, that wait is, uh, is completed and the Holy Spirit is given. Uh, we see uh, them, uh, the apostles, speaking in other languages and receiving the Spirit in an extraordinary, miraculous way. As we have said, only one other time when we see that occurring, and that's in Acts chapter 10, with the uh, uh, acceptance of the non-Jews, the Gentiles, into the church and uh, welcoming them through the response of faith. Uh, and, uh, and so Peter preaches a great sermon in Acts chapter 2, very much like the early sermons in Acts uh, that we will read over these next several chapters. And he tells them, hey, you crucified the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, Messiah, the Hebrew word uh, for the anointed one, the Messiah, Christ, the Greek translation of that. Peter says, we've been looking for him and waiting for him all these years, and you put him to death, and you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead, and now he's Lord of all. And, uh, and they interrupt his message, it seems, in Acts chapter 2, um, and they, in verse 37, and they say, hey, what do we do? Uh, what do we do? And the answer comes back to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, verse 38. 3,000 of them do that, and the church is off and running. It begins with a bang, as we have said. And, uh, and they continue to meet. Uh, they continue to spread the gospel. They continue to help and encourage one another in physical ways, if anyone has needs, of course, in emotional and spiritual ways. As the church is beginning, they are uh, completely devoted, Acts 2, verse 42 says, to the apostles' teaching or doctrine. Uh, what we say, what we believe, what we teach, how we live Still very important, always has been, and that's why we have the Bible, because that is important. They commit themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching or doctrine, to the breaking of bread. Uh, I think the probably referring to the Lord's Supper already at that early time, uh, to fellowship, that one another aspect of the church, and to prayer, which has been so significant already. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of where Acts chapter 2 ends. And so I see a few folks joining in, several of you. Good to see everybody. Nice to have a little crew. Others will be watching this at a later time, either on my Facebook page or on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page, or uh, at westirwin.com, where we have our uh, social media and our live streaming page. And you can see all of these lessons there, Uh, under archives as well. So hello to my friend Debbie Spears. Great to see you again. And Lenny and Joe, always great to see you guys here. Uh, Larry and Lynn, y'all have been such a wonderful support. And there are so many others uh, that I know have been a part of these studies. And um, I really do appreciate that. Feel free to pass the word along. Well, that gets us to Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, it starts to get hard. They don't receive any kind of actual physical persecution until chapter 5 but the threats begin and it's interesting because as peter himself will say the threats begin simply because of them doing a good deed and so that's where we begin in acts chapter 3 michelle glad you're with us glad you could join us hope you and gerald are doing great and uh let's uh let's get going uh in acts chapter 3 uh, beginning at verse 1, and it begins with a, an act of kindness, as Peter says, towards a man uh, who had been uh, crippled, uh, lame, from birth. Um, Acts 3, beginning at verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. We see that even still today. Uh, it's a, it's a sad, sad thing, Uh, but we recognize that there are people who, um, who are, are in such a desperate situation and have such a desire to do something to help themselves that they do the only thing that they know how to do, the only thing that they feel like they can do, and that is that they ask for help. And I think if we can help, um, then it's a good thing to do that. And this man was doing that. What they do with that help that we give them, well, that's kind of up to them, isn't it? And we, having limited resources, whether you're talking about individually or as a family or even as a church, having limited resources, that means you try to be as responsible as you can uh, with that. But we also know that um, that part is up to someone else. Uh, our part is called uh, to give as we have, um, as we have received. And, and so that's what this man did. He was there at one of the temple gates, and a good spot he had uh, to receive uh, material help from people, uh, and apparently that did uh, work. Um, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter two apostles, um, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. (laughs) Obviously, he was expecting this to be a good day, that maybe they would stop. They've asked, they're actually willing to have eye contact. They're actually willing to interact with him in a positive way and not just tell him to get out of the way. Um, And so he thinks this is going to be good. And he's thinking dollars and cents, uh, but he gets so much more. Acts 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. And I have a feeling that at that point the guy said, his heart may have skipped a beat there, and he was thinking, oh, this is going to go just like some of the others have. Uh, But Peter wasn't done. Uh, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong this man i believe he was 40 years old he had been lame from birth Um, and taking him by the right hand verse 7 he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong this is no sleight of hand Uh, this is no uh, just simply an emotional thing where somebody's uh, excitement and adrenaline overtakes them this was a miraculous instant healing It's unlike anything that uh, they had seen. Uh, And you can tell by the reaction. Uh, Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. They couldn't believe it they knew exactly who this guy was they they walked by him all the time um, and had for years and perhaps many of them had helped him financially and given him a little bit uh sometimes when they had passed him by Uh, but this time uh peter says uh in the name of jesus christ of nazareth walk and he helps him up and the man starts jumping up and down and praising god and i can imagine that joy can't you if you've never been able to walk and now you can and so you uh you do what you have always wanted to do you jump and you dance and you run and you hop and you praise the god who has brought you healing who has answered your decades of prayers Um, that's what this man does and everyone is amazed everyone is amazed they can't believe it and like any good preacher does Peter sees an opportunity to share the message of Christ. And and that's what happens next, beginning in verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, I'm sure just not wanting to let them go. He was so happy, so grateful, so thankful. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, there in the temple area. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why, why does this surprise you? Uh, why do you stare at at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And it's interesting that sometimes um, preachers and missionaries in the book of Acts are going to do incredible, amazing things, and people are going to try to worship them. Uh, Even John, when he receives that incredible revelation uh, at the end of the Bible, uh, tries to worship the angel that had helped him throughout that journey, and the angel says, no, stand up, stand up. Are you kidding Uh, I'm not God. I'm one of his messengers. Worship only God. Um, This man is hanging on to Peter, and the people are all amazed, wondering what in the world is going on here. And Peter Peter says, look, it's not by our power that any of this has happened. Uh, This has happened because of Jesus Christ, and that's what he's going to tell them. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. Remember Jesus when he was questioned by the Sadducees, that sect of the Jews that didn't believe in the resurrection. About the resurrection, he answered them with that scripture, with that statement that God uh, has defined himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, Abraham, who lived uh, somewhere around 2000 B.C., and his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob um, and Jesus makes the point and says, look, God is not a God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob remain alive. They, they uh, will live uh, for eternity. Um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, verse 13, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Uh, Peter was there. Uh, he knows. He saw the interaction. He saw he was hiding and denied Christ three times. And then when Jesus uh, heard that rooster crow and Peter heard that rooster crow, they looked across the courtyard at each other and their eyes met. And Peter went out and, and wept bitterly. Luke tells us that Jesus turned and looked at Peter when that rooster crowed. What a am sure that haunted him still and would his whole life, that look and motivated him to serve this one who, had loved him in spite of that, and had given him a mission in spite of that. Um, Peter uh, says, look, Pilate wanted to let him go, but you just wouldn't let him. And, uh, and so he continues on. You disown, verse 14, the holy and righteous one, and ask that a murderer be released to you, Barabbas, uh, the son of Abba, it's what his name kind of means, the son of his father, and, um, uh, and Barabbas was the one that they released. And not Jesus verse 15 of Acts 3 you killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead we are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong it is Jesus name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see Wow so much in these words Um, Peter says it's by faith that this happened and likely not the man's faith it was the faith of Peter uh, because the man really is is just hearing about all of this for the first time, or perhaps he had heard about it before. And as Peter and John come up, he uh, and, and Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Maybe he's somewhat familiar with that, but it doesn't seem so. Uh, it doesn't seem so. Because he's looking to Peter and John as if he's going to receive something from a material perspective from them. Uh, these early sermons in Acts, again, are very simple. Peter says, you, uh, Jesus came, uh, sent by the Father, the long-awaited Messiah. You killed him. Uh, God raised him from the dead and has made him Lord and Christ, and we are witnesses. Remember in Acts 1, verse 8, Peter, uh, Jesus tells him, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in the surrounding regions, and to the end of the earth. Uh, we are to be witnesses as well. No, we didn't see the physical resurrection uh, like they did, but we have seen enough, and we have heard their testimony, and now we can able to. We are able to be witnesses to others of what Jesus has done in our lives, and uh, the credibility of this message. Remember, this is in the same city it occurred. Not too long afterwards, we're seeing the time, the months go uh, away, and soon the years will pass. But uh, the book of Acts doesn't end until uh, around in the middle of the A.D. 60s. And so we're talking about a period of of only a few short years as they are uh, sharing that message and here, much less than that as the church is just beginning. And Peter and John are, are sharing that message and have shared the grace of God with this man and giving him healing. And... Um, And they're still in Jerusalem. They don't get out of Jerusalem until Acts chapter 8. And again, if they wanted to disprove this, if they wanted to squelch this, there was an easy way to do that, to lead everybody to the tomb that had Jesus' body in it. Uh, But they just never did that. They couldn't, because the body wasn't there. Now, brothers, he says in verse 17, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. And it reminds me of the prayer Jesus made from the cross. Uh, that Luke records, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know if the Father forgave them or not. Uh, Jesus was willing to let it go and leave it up to the Lord, to, the, to his Father. We can do the same thing with those who have sinned against us. We can forgive them and turn it over to God. We don't have to necessarily restore the relationships. Sometimes that's possible, sometimes it's not. But we can turn loose of that. We can let go of it so that the grudge that we could carry for the rest of our lives uh, doesn't cause us to have uh, such great emotional and and even physical and spiritual difficulty. We're reminded that Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, Jesus tried uh, to speak to the Father even in their behalf as they were taking his life. Uh, Peter reminds them that You did this, uh, but you didn't realize that this was the Messiah. Um, I get that. But they're still responsible, and they're still accountable, and they are still called to repent, as we continue to read. Verse 18, this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ, his Messiah, would suffer. They didn't get that. They expected the Messiah not to have to suffer. (laughs) They expected the Messiah to be a king like King David when he was winning battles. Uh, instead of uh, a lamb of God that was slain on the cross. Uh, They didn't expect that at all. But this is what the prophet said, Isaiah 53, perhaps the greatest example uh, of that. Jesus constantly telling his disciples while he was in his three years of ministry, the Son of Man will be betrayed and I will be turned over to the Jews and the Romans and they will... Um, they will crucify me, and they will, and then I'll be raised from the dead. Um, Peter says, this is what was supposed to happen and it has. And then this great verse, acts three verse 19, repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Uh, the call is to repent, just like John told them, Uh, When he came, Jesus and his disciples told them, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now it's different. Now it's fulfilling what uh, Jesus promised in Luke 24, to stay in the city uh, until repentance and forgiveness of sins can be preached in my name uh, to all people. And we see that fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, as they are told to repent and be baptized and wash away their sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells them again in verse 19 of Acts 3, Repent then, and turn to God. The word repent means change. Uh, Change the direction of your life, change the path you're on, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. And we see that still going on today, now 2,000 years later. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Peter quotes from Deuteronomy 18, one of those early, early messianic prophecies where moses says the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me you're to listen to him even greater than moses the writer of hebrews would remind us greater than the angels with greater promises better better promises a better priest uh, a better sacrifice Uh, we see all of that fulfilled in the life of jesus christ and so verse 24 of acts 3 indeed all the prophets from samuel on peter's continuing his sermon As many as have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Not only did he uh, send them first to those that were gathered there in Jerusalem, but he sent him first to the Jews. Ultimately, we'll see that that fulfillment of prophecy that talked about him being a light to the Gentiles and God carrying that message of salvation to the whole world, we'll see that begin to be fulfilled in Acts chapter 10. Uh, But for now, that message is being sent to the Jews and for now, still right there in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, They haven't gotten out of the city uh, yet. And so uh, Peter tells them, the, the central message of these early ser- sermons, uh, Jesus came and lived, uh, you killed him, God raised him, we've seen it, and now he's made him Lord in Christ and is calling on you to repent and to respond in faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that gets us to Acts chapter 4. Uh, Acts chapters 3 and 4 very much connected and so we're going to continue on. Because the religious leaders, the leaders of the Jews, they don't like this. And what happens is they see what's going on and they hear what Peter and John and the other apostles are saying and they hear what they're teaching and they see the lives and the boldness and the courage and the conviction that they have and they say to themselves, we've been here before. We've been here before. And we'll read that incredible statement about them that says they took note that these men... Had been with Jesus. Well, I think there's a couple of applications for that. We'll get to it um, in just a moment. All of this disturbs the Jewish leaders, and so they're going to uh, arrest Peter and John, and they're going to question them, and they're going to threaten them, uh, and then let them go. Um, and the next time they're arrested and and are, and and face their accusers, uh, they will be punished and beaten and flogged. Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Uh, They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Again, the Sadducees had a lot of people in power, and they didn't like that teaching about the resurrection of the dead. But none of the Jewish leaders liked the teaching in the name of Jesus Christ. They had crucified him not long before this. And they, um, they had thought they were done. And then the message started coming out that he had been raised from the dead. And now the message starts coming out that he has given his Holy Spirit. And things are being done again, just as Jesus had done when he was alive. Now his followers are doing the same kinds of things, teaching the same kinds of things, living the same kind of way. They were greatly disturbed, Acts 4, verse 2. Because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. You know, we read these words, and, um, and, and we don't, we, it's almost like it's nonchalant. They, they, they spent the night in jail. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to spend the night in jail. Um, and, and yet they did. And it gets worse over time, as we know. Uh, but when you read those words, when we come across those things that we're so familiar with, that they were put in jail, that they were faced trials and acu- and accusations, that they were beaten, uh, that they were flogged with a ve- in a very cruel way of of beating someone, um, they they were threatened and they uh, some of them were killed. Uh, in Acts chapter six, we'll see this persecution go to the point where Stephen is the first Christian martyr. In Acts 12, the first Apostle James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, James, uh, put to death by King Herod, and others will uh, follow. For now, they put Peter and John in jail. It's evening, and so they uh, are going to just let them sit there through the night. Verse 4, every once in a while, Luke will give us a little indication of how the church is growing already. Uh, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Uh, so 3,000 baptized the first day. Now the number of men is already at 5,000. And so who knows how many in Jerusalem have become a part of this growing church. It's exciting. It's amazing. It's incredible. And what we're going to see from here on out is that in spite of the persecution, in spite of the threats, in spite of even them meeting in secret, uh, still the church grew why because the growth of the church is not dependent on any of those things not being the case Uh, the people can be free or in prison they can be hiding or they can be out in public Uh, they can be appreciated and respected by the governing authorities or they can be persecuted Um, god's kingdom can spread whatever the circumstances and it gives us uh, a special measure of comfort and strength an assurance today that in spite of what we see going on in our world and and there are some scary things happening there are things uh, that we know that we are taking to the Lord on a daily basis uh, to help our our cities and our communities our states and our nation and our world uh, we're asking for God's help and God's guidance and, and God's blessing um, and and they were doing the same thing but they were also as we're gonna see from this great prayer that they'll pray at the end of this uh, uh, incarceration and questioning the end of Acts chapter four, they prayed a great prayer, not for safety. Uh, They prayed a great prayer that they would be, continue to be bold in speaking the gospel, whatever the circumstances, whatever the threats. Um, It's something that should make us examine ourselves and ask ourselves when the going gets hard, when there's a price to pay, will I continue to serve, will I continue to worship, will I continue to spread the message of Christ. Um, Verse 5 of Acts chapter 4. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law, or scribes, met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family, likely the very same group, of course, that condemned Jesus to death. So when this group threatens Peter and John, and threatens the other apostles, And tells them you better stop preaching in this name or else bad things are going to happen to you and we're going to make it happen. The threats are for real. They could do it. They've already done it. Um, They're all there. They had Peter and John, verse 7, brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? And you got to love Peter's response. Remember, this is the guy that was so scared that he pretended that he had never even met Jesus three different occasions, calling down curses on himself, but something has changed. He has seen the resurrected Lord, and he has felt the forgiveness and the compassion and the love of that resurrected Lord in spite of what he had done. And now you couldn't shut him up if you had to. He has also received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 of Acts 4, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone or the, the headstone, the the big rock in the foundation. Verse 12 of Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is an incredible transition from the man who cowered down and denied that he had ever even met Jesus to this point. And I just love the way he interacts with them. He says, okay, I I uh, I think he's trying to help them to see the ridiculous nature of their of their questioning but it's the same route that they went with Jesus they they couldn't accuse him of anything worthy of death because all he did was good later on Peter himself in Acts 10 will will describe Jesus to the Gentile Cornelius as a man who went around doing good but they were able to put him to death because ultimately he assured them that he claimed That he was the son of god and so they condemned him for blasphemy and now they're questioning peter and john and peter says look if you're you know if if we're on trial here today for doing something good then okay that's all right we healed this man he's now able to walk for the first time in his life but you know that's okay if if that's what the point of this is but if you want the answer to your question then here it is Uh, it is by the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Again, at every moment, they give them the central tenets of the gospel. The gospel is simply this. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And there are witnesses that were eyewitnesses that saw those things happen. Uh, Peter reminds them uh, that they killed him, that God raised him, and that now he is Lord of all. And And it is not by the name of peter and john but it is by the name of jesus of nazareth by the name of jesus christ that this man stands before you whole and then he quotes from psalm 18 the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone jesus had used that same passage uh, as he was interacting with the with the jewish leaders towards the end of his life when they were questioning him and he shot right back to them some and one of the passages of scripture that he used is this very one and he said, look, this is, you know, you're rejecting me, others are accepting me, uh, and, uh, and I am that one that, that uh, the psalmist spoke about. I am the one who is now the foundation, who is now the capstone. And that clarity in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus himself had said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Um, that's not a popular statement. It's not a. It wasn't a popular statement when Peter said it in the first century, and it's not a popular statement now because that's not what people want to hear. We live in a culture that glorifies diversity and tolerance, and I'm all for diversity and tolerance. I want our... Our government and others to tolerate me and my religious beliefs Um, and I'm okay with there being diversity uh, because I get that even Jesus himself would not force people to believe in him he gave them the option to say no we must do the same Um, but if you say no then it's just like what Jesus said to um, uh, what Peter said when um, Jesus had talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood in the Gospel of John and everyone left. (laughs) And he looks around and he sees just his apostles and he says, so are you guys leaving too? And Peter says, "Well, well, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life and we believe and are sure that you are the Holy One of God. Well, that's what he says here again. There's nowhere else you can go. If you turn away from Jesus, no one else can bring this salvation. Salvation is found in no other name. And when we talk about the name, whether it's Here in Acts 4 verse 12, or if we're talking about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, as Peter told them to do in Acts 2 verse 38, um, we're talking about authority. It is by the authority of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, that this man has been healed. It is by the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that people are baptized today, as Jesus said to do in Matthew 28. It is by the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, that people are baptized today, as Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Salvation is found in no one else. There's just no other name that you can go to given to people to be saved. It, it, he is the only way. And, and though that's not a popular statement, uh, it's it's the truth. It's the truth. Only Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Only Jesus was raised from the dead. Only Jesus is the one who has conquered death. Only Jesus is the one that can give us uh, life. And so that leads us to this great verse, Luke 4, verse 13. What an incredible uh, sight to see and to see happen. And Luke records it for us in Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw, when the Jewish leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, just as the people realized on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, hey, these guys aren't scholars. Language scholars, how do they speak in other languages so fluently so that we're hearing this message in our own home language? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I only pray that when people see and hear us and they see the way we act towards them and towards others, and they see the way we interact, and they see the way we live our lives and the values that we hold on to, and they see our conviction because I think that's what they saw in Peter and John. They not only saw power to to heal a man, but they saw conviction. They saw uh, the look in their eyes that stared down people who were threatening to kill them and said, look, if you want to know how this works, It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this has happened. And his is the only name under heaven that we can give. Not Moses, not Abraham, not you men. Only the name of Jesus Christ can bring salvation. And I think there's another aspect to this. When it says that they took notes and they recognized and they acknowledged and they probably told each other, these men have been with Jesus. I think the reason that they said that is because they said look we've been here before (laughs) we thought we were done with this we thought that that this was over but we've been here before and we saw the same look and we saw the same conviction we saw the same good deeds and we saw the same willingness to go to their grave rather than deny the message and I think that's what they're seeing in Peter and John we thought we were done We thought we had this over with, but we didn't. The body was raised from the tomb. Something happened to the body because all we know is when we went back to the tomb, the soldiers told us they don't know what happened. They just know that 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 body is gone. And the disciples certainly didn't overpower this whole Roman guard. And now they're saying that he's alive and that they've seen him. And now that he's ascended into heaven and has been declared both Lord and Christ, the Son of God. And now he's doing things in that same name through his disciples, through his followers. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. May that be said of you. May that be said of me. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I mean, what do you say? Oh, no, 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 no it's like when jesus healed the man born blind in john 9 and and the religious leaders are offering up this great investigation and so they call him in and they say were you blind yeah i was born blind well how can you see now i don't know this this man they call jesus he's you know he healed me well are you sure you and so they call in his parents well is this your son? Yeah. Was he born blind? Yeah. Well, how is it that he can see now? I don't know. He's of age. Ask him. It is hilarious to read John chapter 9, but this incident is a little bit similar because what, what can you say? You can't say this didn't happen. It did. You can't say the man was never lame. He was. Uh, they saw him there for decades, um, and so they're going to have to find something else to explain all of this. Uh, They couldn't really say anything because the man who had been healed was standing there with them. Uh, And so verse 15, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. Look, we need to talk about this behind closed doors, guys. Uh, Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Again, the significance of this being right there in the same town, right there in the same city, not long after all of these events that they're talking about had happened, Jesus being tried and crucified and then raised from the dead, or so they claimed. And now they're still in this same city, and they can't deny it any more than they can deny that this miracle took place. Everyone, it says, in Jerusalem knows about this. This is an extraordinary thing. It's not something that you keep secret, and it's not something that you can hide or deny, just like the resurrection of Jesus, just like the empty tomb. They did their best to pay off the soldiers and to spread this crazy rumor that the weak, weak, cowering disciples came and overtook this extra Roman guard and rolled the stone away, and broke the seal of of the emperor, and then stole the body away. Uh, <laughs> there's no way that could be true, but that's all they had because they couldn't tell the truth, they couldn't say uh, that he must have been raised from the dead, just like he said. they refused to believe that, or at least they refused to to go with that. Here they have a man who had been. Lame all his life, and now he's standing up, jumping up and down, praising God. And so they can't deny it. He's standing right there. And everyone in the city of Jerusalem knows what has happened. And so they say, well, there's only one thing we can do. We have to threaten him. We have to use power and authority to shut them up. We have to tell them, look, it's, we're going to punish you if you don't stop doing this. Whether it's true or not is not the issue. Whether it's something we should accept or, or not, not the issue. All they do is they tell them, you've got to stop speaking in his name. Then they called them in again, Acts 4, verse 18, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I hope that that's our stance. If push comes to shove in this country, somewhere down the line, uh, The authorities come to us and say, you've got to stop speaking in the name of this Jesus. You've got to stop speaking this message of the gospel. You've got to go away from this book you call the Bible. I hope and pray that we will have the courage of Peter and John, that we will very humbly, but with great conviction, tell them salvation is found in no other name. There's no other name under heaven given to people that brings salvation except the name of Jesus. And, and you can decide for yourself whether you should follow God or, or human authority when they contradict. Most of the time they don't contradict, but when they do, we must stand with Peter and John and say, we will follow God uh, rather than men. Um, I pray that we'll be able to do that. Verse 21 After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. They couldn't deny it. They couldn't pretend it didn't happen. They couldn't hide it. Even in the days before the internet and social media, they couldn't hide it. Everyone in Jerusalem knew about it. Um, And now people were by the thousands. being a part of this church and accepting that message of the gospel and responding in faith and repenting as, as Peter tells these leaders to do and confessing their faith and being baptized into Jesus Christ just as Peter had told them to do in Acts 2. And now they're seeing uh, the threatening feelings of the religious leaders again, just as Jesus did, and the threats that say you got to stop doing this you got to stop doing this and Peter and John and the others saying we can't we can't if we have to pay a price for it then so be it but we must be faithful to God we can't stop sharing this message we can't stop worshiping the one who is Lord of all and so verse 23 I love this section I love this prayer Verse 23 of Acts 4, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, likely at the home of uh, the mother of John Mark, uh, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, That's where the early church seems to be meeting. Uh, Among other places, obviously, there's too many to meet in one home. But they go back, they call their own people together, and they report all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They didn't have to hide right now, but they will shortly. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. In Acts uh, 4, verse 24, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They begin with adoration, acknowledging the greatness of God. That he is a creator. He is the sustainer. He is the power and sovereign over all. Verse 25, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. One of those royal psalms in Psalm 2. Whenever there was a new king, nations would come up and try to test him. And now Peter and John and the others there that are praying see this fulfilled in the life of the Messiah, the ultimate anointed one, Jesus Christ. Why? We knew this was going to happen. Why did they even try? Why did they even try? But try they will, and try they are. Verse 27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And so they've done this before. It's not that, these aren't idle threats. This is for real. And when they say, we will beat you, we will put you in jail, we will put you to death if you keep speaking in the name of this Jesus of yours, they could do that. And, and true faith, biblical faith, biblical prayer does not deny the reality of what's going on. Um, we've talked about the Stockdale, uh, uh, the Stockdale paradox before uh, from uh, James Stockdale, who is a, a war veteran in a, in a POW in Vietnam and, um, and ran for vice president. And, um, and while he was there as a POW, what got him through was, was what was called later in the book Good to Great, the Stockdale Paradox, which uh, acknowledges the brutal reality that you're in, but at the same time still holds on to assurance and belief that you will be delivered. Those two are contradictory in a sense, but you can hold on to both of them at the same time. And that's what these first Christians do. That's what these first disciples do. They pray this prayer, Lord, they did this to Jesus. What they're threatening us with, they did this to Jesus. We know, we know that they can do this, but we also know that you are sovereign. And so the prayer continues in verse 29 of Acts 4. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to be safe and to not have to suffer. Is that how your version reads in Acts 4 verse 29? We think that's how it should read. And it probably wouldn't be a bad thing if it did. I think it's okay to pray that God would keep us safe. He would keep our loved ones safe. And maybe they said that and Luke just didn't record it. But I think it's telling and important and significant that that's not what they pray for here. In Luke's account, they don't pray for safety. They don't pray for uh, to remain free. They don't pray for the authorities to come around. They simply pray for courage and boldness to continue to faithfully speak. Now, Lord, consider their threats, Acts 4, verse 29, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And that's what they prayed for. In spite of the threats, they prayed, help us to continue to speak your word boldly. Help us to remember what Jesus did. And and even though we recognize the seriousness of the threats, help us to continue to be faithful. Help us to be bold in our faithfulness. To not, not cower at the threats, even though they're very real. And we don't deny that. But help us, Father, to to speak the word and to speak it with great boldness and with great faithfulness and and God answered their prayer with a yes and he gave them the courage to do that and I believe he will give us the courage to do that as well if we're willing to stand by our convictions if we're willing to hold on to that truth if we're willing to be faithful to that one who said I am the way and the truth and the life Jesus Christ to that one who said no one who goes beyond my word uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Even though they call me Lord, Lord, Matthew 7, um, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless they hear these words of mine and do them and respond in obedience. Verse 32 of Acts 4 continues the same thing we saw at the end of Acts chapter 2. This desire uh, to share what you have with those in need. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They were so unified at this time still. Later we'll see that there are some threats to that. Um, But the church continues to be unified. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. They constantly gave for each other. If one had plenty and another was in need, they they shared. Um, They shared. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Remember, that's what Jesus told them to do, to be his witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem. We're still there. Uh, Much grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had Uh, Need. This was the church that was doing this. Um, It it wasn't the government, although we we appreciate the help that the government brings to people in need. It wasn't social service agencies, although they have a great mission. Uh, I've been involved, and Joyce has been involved, and we've contributed to many of them, and they do a great work. But this is the church. This is the church. And they're looking out and trying to help whoever has need. Joseph, verse 36, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This Barnabas is a great guy. They called him son of encouragement. I tease sometimes that he was the first one who began the encouragement card ministry. (laughs) We started that at Woodland West Church of Christ, that wonderful church in Arlington where we were for so long and where our family still is. And, uh, and our church in North Carolina, the great South Fork Church of Christ there in Winston-Salem, uh, began that encouragement card uh, ministry there as well. And wonderful Betty Cloud would send those cards out every year. And now an elder's wife. What a, what a wonderful family Aldine and Betty are. And what a wonderful church that is. Uh, but Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. Why? Because he was a great encourager. Later on, we're going to see him do that with Saul of Tarsus who is baptized, even though he had been the leader, the point man for the persecution of the Christians by the Jewish leaders. Now he has that road to Damascus interaction with Jesus. Three days praying and fasting, Acts 9 says, Ananias, a Christian man sent to him, tells him to get up and be baptized and wash away his sins, Acts 22, verse 16. And immediately he begins preaching and teaching the gospel. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety about him, but it's Barnabas. Who goes and gets him and vouches for him before the apostles in Jerusalem? It's Barnabas who is at that great church in Antioch of Syria that's now reaching out to the Gentiles after Cornelius's conversion and after the uh, defense of that by Peter in Acts chapter 11. And now the disciples are called Christians first at Antioch. We'll read in Acts 11, verse 26, and they're reaching out to the Jews and the Gentiles, and Barnabas goes down there, and he sees what's going on. He says, I know just the guy that needs to be here. It's Saul of Tarsus. And later, Barnabas and Saul are called by the Holy Spirit in the church to do mission work, and on that trip, Saul begins to be called Paul. Um, this is that Barnabas, that Barnabas that was wanting to take John Mark with them on that second mission journey, even though he had left them and deserted them and Paul was not willing to do that Uh, Barnabas reaches down to John Mark his relative and goes one direction with him and Paul takes Silas and then Timothy and goes a different direction that's going to be such an an interesting passage as we lead up uh, to that second mission journey at the end of Acts 15 and the beginning of Acts 16 that begins here with this introduction of this man Barnabas this son of encouragement what a great story um this is uh in spite of the persecution in spite of the threats and granted they haven't been beaten physically yet threatened threatened by the people who crucified jesus of nazareth and so as their prayer indicated hey they can come through on this and and we know that they likely will But in spite of that, Father, give us courage. Give us courage to continue to speak, to continue to speak the message with boldness so that people will know this story because it's the only story that can save them. Help us to be able and willing to share this gospel message so that everyone will hear that salvation comes through no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. He is the one that the builders, the Jewish leaders rejected, but now has become the capstone. He is the one that they killed. He is the one that God raised from the dead. He is the one that God has now made both Lord and Christ, Um, this Jesus whom you crucified, as Peter told them in Acts 2, verse 36. Uh, In Acts chapter 5, we'll read the story of the persecution beginning when the apostles are arrested again because they refuse to stop speaking and are ultimately Uh, beaten and flogged and the message is this is going to be very bad for you unless you stop but the message that the Jewish leaders hear and then later the Roman authorities as well the message from the apostles from those who follow Christ is we're not stopping do to us what you will but we can't be silent we must speak the name of Jesus Christ and share the wonderful story of salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. I hope and pray that we all will have that same conviction. As I said at the very beginning, I'm going to be out of town this Thursday and next Tuesday, so we're not going to be able to get into Acts chapter 5 until a week from this Thursday. Uh, So, a week from Thursday, I'll join you again. Uh, In the meantime, I pray God's greatest blessings on you. I pray God's greatest blessings on this land and this world. And I pray God's greatest blessings on his church that we as disciples of Jesus Christ today will continue to speak this message, whatever the cost, whatever the threat, whatever the circumstances, that we pray this same prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word of Christ with great boldness. Amen.